Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. My parents and Menachem's in-laws, Moshe ben Abduvid and Reisel ben Abduvid Yidah. Beautiful. I'm going to mute, I'm going to mute Arnaich now, and Mat, uh, you could start, I don't know who's going to speak first, you or Menachem. Um, again, I'm going to repeat to everybody, um, everybody's on mute, if anybody wants to talk or has questions, we're going to do that more towards the end of the program. Um, you can click on one of the buttons on the bottom on the computer, there's a reaction button, looks something like that. You look at Usher Parnas, that's my name, um, or a thumbs up, so I know that you're trying to catch my attention. You can text on the right, and um, we're going to start. It's a little bit early. Somebody just put on the chat. If you look on the right, somebody said it's not 10.15 yet. So uh, let's give it a few more minutes. We're up to almost 100 people. So Mordechai, we're going to have to, I know you're a yucky and you like to be on time, but we're going to have to give it a few extra minutes. Happens to be there is no yucky blood in me. I could use a little infusion of that. But I did get Shemesh from radio from a, a tzaddik. His name is Rabbi Benish Mendel Zatzal. And the first time I was on the radio, he had a couple of programs that he did together with um, Mr. Zakaim. And he showed me, you got to be early. I was the only time in my life early ever to a place is to the radio because I got Shemesh to be there a half hour, even if the car breaks down, you're going to be able to take a car service or walk to the place. So other than that, I am late to everything else, as whoever knows me. The question is how late, but I'm always late, Baruch Hashem. I want to give a shout out to Mr. Philip Friedman, who is a graphic designer who just took off his photo for putting together the poster. He did it today in a rush, and we really appreciate it. Shkayach, thank you. I was actually very impressed with it, Rashi. He did it. He did it. Literally, uh, he was very busy today, and uh, he did it. We appreciate it. Um, I see the ones coming on. Everybody's muted, so I cannot hear you if you talk. If you want to, again, I'm going to repeat again. If somebody wants to catch my attention, you can please text on the right, or you could put on the chat on the reaction, something like this, or like this, so I could see. You know, Again, there's a lot of people on, so I really can't see everybody. So the best thing is probably to put on the chat or chat me directly. I'll try to get to you. Um, again, anybody could open up the videos. It makes it more engaging. As long as you know you're not, uh, as long as you're uh, properly done, as long as you're proper. And um, okay, I think uh, we should start the program. We're up to 150 people, and the is coming in. We have Josh Weinberger with us tonight. Sorry, Josh, you can't speak. <laughs> you have the whole presidential crew over here. All right, I see people turning on the cameras. Guys, let's make this engaging. This is an engaging evening tonight. All right, I'm going to mute myself, and... Uh, oh, Ushi, we love you talking. We love it. This is <laughs> exciting. Ushi, keep on going. Keep on going. Ah, we got, we got the oil over here. I see the guys are coming in. Hill, we got Hill. We got David Fried, our new son. All right, the oil's coming in. Ushi, okay. you'd be dangerous as a therapist. I could see Hippo, like, out the window. <laughs> Mati, this is really for me to start my own practice. Uh, by the way, if anybody get into Mati Weinberger, even though I'm not a legal social worker, I'm willing to do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> okay, All so right. who's going to speak? What's the program? 
let's start. What I would like to do is I think we'll start with a question and then we'll take the information from there. And as well as Rabbi Nachem, this is uh, one of the big reasons I'm doing this. It's supposed to be a big, a big push for a good friend of mine, Menachem Berenfeld, the life coach, which I think has got a huge amount of Chachmas Achayim. And I think he can use a lot more public, uh, a lot more of the public. So let's start with a question. And Menachem, let us start with you. So, you know, just before, I'll give a little introduction. I first would like to thank the Lakewood Scoop for hosting this, Matzav for hosting this. Also like to thank Rabbi Usher Parnas for putting this all together in a last minute notice, as well as um, two, three people that you've mentioned that were able to put the poster together. Philipson, and um, and at the same time, I'd also like to thank, uh, there's so many people I'd like to thank. So one other thing to mention as well, there is Rabbi Aaron Fried, who I'd like to thank. I would also like to thank tremendously Rabbanim to see everyone get together so clear. The doctors that are working probably 28 hours a day nonstop, the nurses 28 hours a day nonstop, that solo members that are doing like 80 hours in like a day, nonstop, just each and every one of them. And we just see how Kalyas is coming together. As well as from the Bikr Chaylam, we know a lot from Yehuda Kassira, how he is managing so much. I had this host several times to interact with them and to work with them. So that is something that is a tremendous host to be able to do. While we're talking about this, I would like to just start with a concept from there. We'll take the questions and then we're going to have this amazing Menachem Berefeld take over a little bit. There is something that people are asking me, how are you not afraid with what's going on? Don't you hear the deaths that are going on? I don't want to minimize Hashem that's not happening. The fear is that you can't go outside. The world, the way we see it, is all of a sudden rocked and the foundation of the world has fallen apart. Now, for many of you, this is what you're feeling. As a therapist, one of the things that I work on primarily is anxiety. Now, when someone comes into my office and they have anxiety, what anxiety means, in another word, just to make it simple, it means the world that I felt safe now just got rocked. That means the security and safety that I was standing on, I just lost that. So it could be if someone was never in a car accident and now they don't feel safe being in a car. It could be if they have a relative that was nifter and now they don't feel safe saying, who said this won't happen to me? So what happens is when something happens to another person, but close to us that affects us, then what happens is we feel we lost our security and our safety and then we get into worry mode. So therefore, for me, what is happening out there is nothing more than what I do one-on-one, -on -one, or when I speak to many people, it's just affecting many people who don't have the skills or the tools how to deal with it. So what I hope to be able to do today, together with Menachem Berifel, who's a wonderful friend, Oshi Parn, is to put all this together in last minute, is to be able to share with everyone that usually does not have to face this crisis, or a, almost what we call an existential crisis that's hitting, how to just be at ease. So we are lucky and we purposely are doing this after about a week and a half of everyone listening to the Rabbanim, because it's always important. Gedolim always come first. And the Rabbanim have given their shiurim, and that is unbelievable. And now us, the little people, the therapists, the life coach, would like to just share with you some of our tips that we feel that can help. So now at this point, Menachem, 
how about you read the first question that we got and share some tips and some ideas. And then as well, I'd like to share with everyone, we definitely want to take live callers. Meaning if you're listening to this and you would like to ask your question, if you're doing it through Zoom and it's on the video, there is a, on the bottom where it says reaction, you can click on that. And then there's going to give an option where any diagram that you want, you can push and then we will be um, taking questions, your live questions. So that's enough about me. Menachem, you please introduce yourself first. Menachem Berenfeld, a life coach, someone that okay. I know. Okay, welcome everyone. Thank you very much for everyone for showing up tonight. I want to give a shkoya to my friend Mordechai Weimiger. He is busy a whole year round when there's no coronavirus going on. And what he's now, I can't tell you, and he took time off to give us a little, give us a little time and for Usher Parnas for putting this together and the Kol Chavrai Kaddisha, everybody that, that had a, a yad in this. Um, I'm going to go to the first question that somebody sent in today, and many people asked. Uh, Just different... one thing, um, Rabbi Menachem, can you share with everyone that you have a very special program? Because I've I had this chus of hearing a tremendous amount of feedback, hearing part of it. You have about emotional intelligence, which we'll get into soon, the importance of it, specifically for Rebbeim. So just give everyone a little bit about you. I'm pretty much, people know about me a little, but would you share everyone what you do and what are some of the things that you do? And if someone would like to reach you, how would they reach out to you? So I am a life coach. I work in special, special education in schools a half a day. Um, working with emotional intelligence, which most people think they have it. And when you start talking about it, they want to turn around and go out the door. They're not, it's not a comfortable topic to talk about the emotions because what we're used to is basically the logic, um, knowing what's right and what's wrong in our heads. The second you want to go from your head down to the emotions, it gets a little bit sticky and the emotional part is usually the part that drives us human beings. And the, the example they give is uh, for an iceberg. There's a tip on top that you could see, but if you can see on the bottom what's going on, that's really what's controlling. So I took in a, the training that I took and when I found out about emotional intelligence, this was very negative for me also. And it really opened up a window in my life. And I took it out to be able to help kids and Rabbeim and adults. So now I use it in life coaching that obviously it doesn't take one or two sessions. It's work. And what I find is that in this matzav now with the coronavirus, Hashem gave, gives us this, we're forced to see many emotions that we don't like to. Hashem pushed us all in our house, closed the door and said, now let's see what you can do now. And, and there's a lot of buttons being pressed. And, um, and Hashem wants us to do it overnight. And it's not easy. It is very hard. So first of all, whoever is having a hard time out there, that's pretty normal. Because what you are seeing is things you are basically trying to run away from your whole life. And now these things come up. So the first step would be is just to become aware of them. No, you don't have to react based on that. Just become aware of it. To help you, you can start journaling every day for two minutes 
find a quiet place and start writing down everything that's going on inside of you. What are you feeling? What you do like, what you don't like, what's not working out, how much you wish you can go back to those routine days. But now we're being, we're in this course that we're not used to. And um, this is why we're having a hard time. And yes, it is hard. So that's a little bit about my emotional intelligence course. Now I'll bring up the, the, the few people that asked, and this is the people that feel guilty. Those people who they know out there is, there's a lot going on and never, Hashem should help, they should all have refuah. But for those who feel good and they're in their house and they feel guilty, maybe they should feel, they should do something. And especially this is a person that said that went through the coronavirus. He was in bed for many days. And now Baruch Hashem got out of it and does not feel any sense of gratitude, doesn't feel any motivation, really in a low mood, not motivated to do nothing. So this is basically the question, what should he do? Is there something wrong? That's the question. So what I would answer is a little bit, first of all, is to understand that obviously Everybody, no matter where you are and what you're going through, this is a hard matzah. And if you're not used to it, it makes sense. We're not used to it. And if you want to do something, you feel guilty. Now, every person, this is not an answer that we can give in public because it really depends on each person. Every person has to know his personality, where he is, and what's his little thing that he can do. It could be one capital till him. That's it. Or it could be something different, whatever it is, but it has to be something that's really personal to you. And we, we are becoming aware of what the personality is coming out now, which till now it could be we were davening and learning and doing a lot. Our routine was full, but very little personal work in there. The davening was basically because that's what everybody does, learning, that's what we do. I go to share, you continue, but now, Stay home, you're on your own. How are you now? What, are you, what do you want to do now? What's, how much do you want to learn? How much are you learning? How much could you learn? So that's where it gets a little personal. And again, you have to know where you are and take it a little bit, do a lot about it. It's gonna be, it could be a little bit um, hard, but something that works for you, that's the, in the personal level. Mordechai, what would you say to the people that feel guilty about not doing something about the matzah? Well, first of all, guilt is a Jewish uh, middle, so this is something that we've got a lot. Now, when someone's got guilt, I hear something else in this person's question. This person's sort of saying, something went through, I got a scare, and now after I didn't get back to myself. Welcome to the world. This is normal. I want to normalize a lot of what's going on. If we can realize the Rabbanim are sending around updated Pesach cleaning and expectations for this year from all Kehillahs. I've seen one from Vizhnitz. I've seen one from Satmar. I've seen from Lakewood. And they're also telling you games that your kids don't play or won't play on Pesach, don't clean it. I've never heard that ever said any year. So we need to realize that Many times we have an expectation and the Rabbanim are lowering that expectation, meaning we got to realize we're humans. There is a fear going on in the world 
there's a concern going on where we're not davening with minion, kids are home. We need to realize that there is that level over there. And we need to take into account the other side that we're also balanced, we're also safe. There's a very popular method of therapy that I like a lot. It's called dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT. I don't want to go into the method of therapy at all. I just want to share with you the concept. So there are two methods that use this concept. One is called DBT, another one is ACT. And basically it's saying, look at two opposites and they're both true. So in Yiddishkeit, the Altamirs means in Europe, in Mir, they used to have a saying that you have to have in one pocket, Anoichi Opavapor, I am nothing, which is the Pasig that Avramavins, and the other one is Bishvili Nebrahoila, two opposites. We need to have the same thing now as well. On one hand, there is a concern, a worry in the world for health. On the other hand, we're also safe. The numbers are very, really small, especially for those that are listening. It means for 60 and younger, there's enough, even for those that are, it's the percentage is like 1%. It's 10 times, that's what the recent one I saw. It's like 10 times more than the flu, but it's still 1%. So we need to have the awareness that there's a lot of stress going on. There's around your shalom bias, the jokes, the messages going around, husbands and wives are around, the wives are using excuses to get out, husbands' excuses to get out, kids' excuses to get out. Now you've got a mother, she's got to be cleaning, especially now with so many are saying, don't have the cleaning helps, they shouldn't come. So they're cleaning, they're cooking. You've got, they're now teachers, they're becoming rebellion. You're, they're being moderators between their children. There is now being the daughter and the sister to everything else going on. Then you've got the husband doing these roles. When are we ever around our kids that much? All of a sudden, we're now around. Shalom Bai is talking. Wife wants to talk to you. Your wife wants your help. We have no idea what to do when our kids are fighting. So Shabbos Sudi, you send one to go play and it's gone. Now we got to be there for hours at a time. For those men that are lucky, we could be remotely, we could lock ourselves in our little room or in the bedroom, say no one coming, and we supposedly we're on the phone or on the computer, supposedly we're doing work. Women, I'm telling you the secret, we're not doing work, but you don't want us around either. It's okay. But once we could accept that there are these two sides going on within us, there is a worry and a concern, but at the same time, we're healthy and we're safe. So this person's question, if we could read it again, I'd like to read the first part, how she wasn't well, and we're going to identify that. And then the part after, she's ex or he's expecting themselves to go straight back to normal. Like, I shouldn't be down. I shouldn't be weak. And if we don't give ourselves the process to both, then we're going to be beating ourselves up and knocking ourselves the entire time. So can we read the question again and see if it fits into that lens? This person feels guilty that um, he was sick in bed, having the coronavirus, and now Baruch Hashem got out, Does knows, again, logically, that he should feel grateful and continue what he used to do, being up, upbeat and helping other people. But uh, there's nothing doing. He feels very low and not, not motivated at all to continue anything. Yeah. So now let's recognize there's a whole different area we could take this on Menachem. I'd like to discuss it with you, with everyone, a little the concept of the subconscious. There is a logic part of the brain, as we're discussing the opposites, how Hashem has created everything in opposites. Oh, I see that we've got also a live 
um, a caller, a live question. So we'll take that. So let's just discuss a minute the subconscious and we'll go straight to the live caller. So just as there's opposites, there's a logic part of our brain, really the frontal cortex, the front part of our brain, of our forehead, and that's where we think. So logically, things shouldn't bother me. Someone was in a car accident, just get right back into a car. I mean, what does a car accident have happened 10 minutes ago or yesterday affect me today? So there's a logic part of the brain that's in the here and the now. Then you've got another part of the brain called the subconscious. It's the whole amygdala parts, the center of our brain, right in between the ears, a little bit lower. And that part of the brain is where we store feelings. And if I got petrified because there was a car accident, that part of the feeling is now going to be activated. And if it's really scary, it's going to stay activated even days later. So what's happening is people can have the logic, which grounds us. People also have the emotions, which gives us old-time memory to remember, oh, don't get hurt again. Or remember, it could be dangerous. Drive safely once you've had a little car accident or now really stop at the stop sign and make sure all the cars have passed because maybe someone isn't driving safe. Maybe you are safe, but maybe the other person isn't. So what happens is many times you can know that you passed but was there another family member or someone that you know that was sick and now you're afraid, oh, it could have happened to me or the illness took was more serious to them. And therefore, now you're afraid. Daniel, we saw that tongue out, but anyhow, good, Menachem, go ahead. But it's interesting, uh, if you're talking about the amygdala, the amygdala is a part of the brain that's in charge of the emotions. And, and it's very interesting, you cannot choose what emotion you want to feel. It's either you feel them or you shut it down and you don't feel. You can't say, you know what, I'll only feel the positive emotions. The negative ones I won't feel. That doesn't work. It's either the amygdala, the part of the brain of the emotions is open or not. It's, what, it's either you're experiencing the emotions or not. So now we're all experiencing some um, low emotions it possible to be negative. But what the, the Eitzah is, is called acceptance, which is not always easy. Just accept what you're feeling. Stay there. Don't run away from it. Feel it. If you can stay there, which is not easy, but the more you can stay there with the negative, it makes a show when you get out of it, the lower it was, those low moods, the higher you'll be able, the, the good feeling you'll have afterwards is going to be based on how low it went. And again, this takes practice, a lot of self-awareness. It's going to be a lot of work, but now Hashem put us into this box that we're becoming aware very fast of what we, what's going on around inside of us, all those emotions. So again, be aware of it. You can take some time, write, it, write them down, and just stay here and Feel it. And amidst Hashem, you'll be able to get out slowly and you'll feel the positives the same way. All right, Rabasher, do we have someone ask the question we'd like to read? Or if there's a live question someone would like to ask, you can pass it now. Yeah, somebody, Shana Felder, and I'm going to unmute her, and she has a question to ask you. She, she didn't want to get on, but I a little bit pushed her, so let's give her a little credit. Everyone, meet Ushi, the one that pushed me into this as well. He has a kayach of making things happen. If you want something to get done, he's the guy that, that he's the guy you want on your team. <laughs> Thank you, Yehuda. Um, yeah, I guess when you sit them all day, you got to have some type of accomplishment. You know what I mean? Uh, Shana Feld, are you on the phone? Yeah, hi. 
Um, I'm just hearing mixed things like Hashem so upset at us and he loves us. How do we deal with both feelings? So how about, since I'm not a Rav and I don't take that role, how about we could accept both? Hashem loves us. This illness could have been um, a lot worse. It means Hashem, I don't want to minimize the tragedies that are going on. But when there are other, Rahman al-Islam, other plagues throughout the world, like a third of the population was destroyed, like huge numbers. And while this is, there's when there was the war going on and we were all locked in a little place where people, the police system was out Hashem to get us and you couldn't go to a hospital or they would, you know, do stuff, stuff to us. You know, so just to realize there's, there is a, a din going on. But at the same time, it is done with Rachman, it is done with a balance. And the goal, again, is to listen to Rabbanus for us to do, to work on ourselves. But if we can handle the balance, we, those that are not in that serious population that we need to worry for our life, we need to do our job of daven and appreciate and be thankful of all that we have. And I hope we are all zeichet to have parents or in-laws or grandparents or aunts and uncles, someone very close to us that is alive, that isn't the population of 60 and above, especially our G'dayim and Tzadikim, and we want to daven to have them. So realize it could be both levels. That is what we're learning to do. We want to teach people to have both. That means working is very hard, but Lipon Sara Agra, the harder you work, the more reward you're going to feel. I once heard from a Rav of mine, a Drush, it was actually before Pesach, and it's funny. I don't remember anything of the Drush, but the joke I remember. And he asked the question, is life really that fair? He says, you eat one big chocolate chip cookie, and then you got to go 45 minutes on a treadmill to burn that off? That's not fair. That two minutes of pleasure for 45 minutes of doing. But if you want to work on something, if you want to grow, you're going to have to put in the effort. So how could you feel both are true? There is a huge din on the entire world, and Klal Yisrael, as the, as the Rabban Ma saying, all that comes and as a message for us, Klal Yisrael, we can change it. On the other hand, we are doing so much chesed, this generation Klal Yisrael, that this zam, this anger that Hashem is doing, is somehow also happening through huge chesed. Can you have both? And now what are you going to do? So I know what I am doing in this. I know how I'm growing. What can you take upon yourself that you can grow. Does that make sense? Yep. Does that make sense? Thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. Hold on. Menachem, what do you say? Let, let me just hear if it makes sense because on one hand I'm saying there is Zam, on the other hand I'm saying there's gentleness and it's both. Are you hearing both, the balance? Menachem, what did you want to say, Rabbi Berenfeld? I think she heard the balance. <laughs> but what I want to say is, number one, the brain wants to know exactly what Hashem is doing. And uh, obviously, I don't think anybody can tell us exactly what Hashem wants. That's for sure Hashem wants us to change. And that comes to the personal level. Everybody has to do their little bit. But the, the part of um, that is both going on, like you're saying, Mordechai, is you're right, you should have both. You have to dive in. And on the other end, you have to be grateful for what Baruch Hashem, if you're healthy and the things that you do have. And that takes us into the whole new topic of saying thank you, Hashem, to be grateful 
of the things that are working out. Because when, you know, they had the, the cup half full and half empty, we always see that part that's half empty. And then we uh, kvetch and then we complain. Now again, you could daven, you could, if you could change it, yeah, that's what Hashem wants. But do you realize what Hashem does give you? How can we look away from that part? So to add on to that, I recently had the schuss of having an interview with Rav Sholmat Horabashkin. And I'd like to take an analogy that I got from him. And I've once read a couple of articles by people in prison. And they were given long-term sentences for doing real bad things, like 20 years in prison. So if we think about it, this person's life is over. Let's say they went in at 25 and they're going to come out at 50. Now, 25 years of their life is going to be in bars. How do they pull out? How do they survive? Many of them, unfortunately, get pulled down and go lower. But there were some studies written up about those people that have chosen to use that time. Again, they probably didn't reach it when they were in prison, but maybe after five years or 10 years, they realize, I want to do something. Some of them have gotten doctorates. Some of them have taken online colleges or corresponding. And they've done something with their time. The shift came exactly what you were saying, Rabbi Berenfeld, about the thank you, Hashem. It's about the concept, how you're going to look at the time. Are you going to say, I'm now going to be locked up for 25 years? Or as Rav Shalom Atchabashi said, am I going to say, Hashem, I'm pulled down there, I'm amongst all them, I'm stuck? Or every day he had with the moon and the and he chose to have his Seder Ayayim. And when you have your goal, when you're set up, where you're heading, then every day becomes a day of life. And those people that were in prison, especially some of them was because of Yiddishkeit that they were put in, they were able to say, today I'm living again as a Yid. And today, living in the moment and appreciating what power we have in itself is the secret. That in itself of saying thank you for what I do. So thank you. I am in a building right now. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me advice. Thank you, Hashem, that I have warmth. Thank you, Hashem, that there is a roof over my head. Thank you, Hashem, that there are so many people in Klyasol listening in, similar, feeling similar things that I'm feeling. Thank you, Hashem. Just, I am healthy. Thank you, Hashem. Yeah. All right, Fakata, you, there's a lot more questions people want to go on. Go ahead. I think this is the point that Mati's trying to say in short. There we go. Thank you, Hashem. Okay. Um, Can we move on to another live caller? Let's go. Okay, we have Shlomo over here. I'm going to unmute him, and uh, he'll ask you his question. Hi, Shlomo. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, um, I am generally a happy guy. I'm a lively guy. You know, Baruch Hashem. The problem is, today's day and age, especially with social media technology, we have so much access to videos, pictures, and, and news, you know, daily. We're being bombarded with people dying. You see, you see videos of bodies all over the place. How do, and it's just, it's natural to get feelings of, you know, of, of, of depression from it, I feel. And um, it's disturbing, to, you know, to be frank. How does one control those feelings as to not, you know, you know, I'm around my kid, I'm around my family. I don't want that to go to them. I don't want it to, you know, to affect people around me, you know, forget myself. So how does one control that? How does one, uh, you know, take control of that? Rabbi Berenfeld, take the lead. If you're getting all the information on your phone, and in other words, you're working for Chavi Kedisha and Fabrika Choylem and Ms. Askim and all over the place, you're going to have to wait till you get 
immune, which well, hopefully you don't. But if you don't work for them, how about you, is it possible for you to um, get off that, the, all, not to get all the information for a little bit? How much time could you give yourself? Is an hour possible? Sorry, I was just muted. Yeah, you're asking if, if you can, if you can uh, um, set aside an hour to not look at the news, that's what you're saying? Is that possible for you? For sure. And how much more can you do? Is uh, 24 hours possible? <laughs> um, probably, but you know, you, you, you hear things, you know, coming from all, all sorts of places. Yes, but, but there, what level is it um, up to you to control that you should know? And how much is it that you can't control and you hear from others? 100%, 100%. Because that, that's where it boils down to. You re, you're, you're right, you're 100% right. And, if, and we have to make our own personal, you know, Bechira, you have to choose. Because I can tell you what to do, but if you feel it's affecting you and you could do something about it, let's go. 100%, 100%. All right, thank you. Shkoyach. So let's, I would also add on to that concept with, with what Rabbi Berenfeld just said, and that is, here's where maturity comes in. You know, looking at that, and as he's mentioned, those that work in Hever Kadisha, unfortunately, they get training in there. They don't just start right away with doing the Tahara. They would start first just being there, and then you work your way up. Same thing in social work, same thing with Hatzala members. You don't just start being a paramedic. You're starting off, you're doing several calls with other members, and then you're getting your training in. And then you raise the level. So what's happening is today, as, as you just mentioned, we're all getting stuck. And we're getting exposed to extreme levels. That's too much for us. So now we've got to go on a diet. Self-restraint's the hardest. I just want to mention one more thing, and then we're going to go to another live caller, and that's as follows. Whatever you're seeing, I just understand, in logic, what's in our brain does not go across to another person unless we express it. Feeling, what's in our amygdala, what we feel goes across to everyone. And that means if you're getting messages, you're looking at messages, you're hearing messages, unfortunately, that is what your children are going to be feeling. And now I'll put a little guilt on a lot of people to make you feel guilty for those that are looking for more guilt. I find that people that suffer from anxiety are going to look more and listen more to who died. And you're sure I don't know them and call more family members. You're sure we don't know this last name. It sounds familiar. And they're going to work themselves up to a frenzy. And people that don't suffer from it will be saying, okay, guys, can you send me around some jokes? Can I hear some funny stuff going around? And there's the difference of that. So again, most people, as we started off saying, we're getting now so much information that the average person does not get. And therefore, you're, many people are feeling that their safety is being threatened. And the goal is limit the information that you see. All diets are hard. All putting forward positivity, like going to an exercise, is hard. That's what we got to do. You want a positive you? You want a positive spouse? You want positive children? You want a positive parents? Do positive. Rav Asher, do we have another caller? Mati, you have a list of callers over here. So Go ahead. Uh, Salem wants, to, wants, to, wants you. Um, I'm going to put on first uh, Nathan Rothenberg from Dynamic. 
HVAC. If your air conditioner is broken or you heat, you can definitely call him. And he has a question to ask you. Let me find him first. And then we have uh, a lot of people. Everybody's asking me to, 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 get, to get on. All right, here we go. Nathan, are you on? Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Nathan, we, we want to see you. We have a very simple question um, about focusing on the goodness of the day. How much, um, if you could just give us some good guidance on sharing good news with the family, not just, you know, with the kids, how to relate Hold to on. I would like Ushi to answer that one. He is the king of thank you Hashem's in, in from my Hebra. Go ahead. Ushi, we're putting you in it. question, Nathan. I want to hear the full question. Because Nathan always has a twist at the end of the question. The question is just simple. How do we share good news with little kids and the older ones and do a good job? How do we hit it home every time when you see your kid to bring that happiness and the pride that every Jew should have all the time? So uh, me being, a, you know, having a master's degree in social work, um, I'm a, um, what I try to do with my kids is I try to focus on all the good stuff we have. And it's going, going back to the very basic concept of thank you, Hashem, which is basically of only thinking of, not only thinking, but basically focusing on the good that we do have. Baruch Hashem, everybody on this call here today is, is alive and is on this call. Uh, we're healthy, we have food, we have everything we need. And um, we have to focus on that. Our kids pick up instantly on our feelings and our emotions. And when our kids see us, like the other guy was saying before, uh, you know, looking at the media, seeing all the dead bodies, they pick it up subconsciously. So it's our job for ourselves, like Bernfeld said, like Mr. Bernfeld said, is to, is to put away the news, put away the meat as much as possible. People are texting on the side, oh, it's in their face, there's nothing you could do. 100% is nothing you could do, but what you, as somebody always said, it's not your fault, the situation is not our fault, but it's our responsibility to do whatever we could do. We could A, put away our cell phones as much as possible. I'm talking to myself, not just everybody else, because I'm on my cell phone a lot. It's very addictive. And B, we could focus on the healthier parts of life. I look at my children, Baruch Hashem, they're all healthy. I look at my wife, my spouse. I look at my family. And yes, it's scary out there, but we got to look at the good that we have. Somebody said a good line is, do we look at the cup half full or half empty? And I heard from the, the, the founding member, thank you, Hashem. Thank you that you have a cup in the first place. Nice. That's my answer. Nathan. What I, what I would tell Nathan is, you have to start first with yourself before you go to your spouse and your kids. Can you give yourself a compliment? Can you tell yourself how good you're doing, how Hashem loves you the way you're, whatever avoider you're doing before you come to the kids? And if you can do that, next, the next question is going to be, can you feel that? Because saying it is, for some people, not so hard, but you have to stop and feel it. And then it trickles over to your spouse and kids. I would add on a third component. So first, I agree to every one of you. That's exactly what I would have said. So now I'll just take a last component I would have shared is how we get it to our children is I share a lot with my children some challenges that I go through. But it's not in a heaviness where they can handle it or I can handle it. I share with them, this is a challenge. This is everything I'm grateful for in the challenge. Like this challenge, I'm growing in this area. In this challenge, I'm having greater opportunity. When they see you go through a challenge and you're actually sharing the positive, 
and how strong you are, it gives them the resilience, it models to them that they can do the same. And the next step would be then speak to your kids. What's something that was challenging to you? And now let's find what's the positive spin to that. What is the strength that you are growing? And of course, if someone's saying, have faith and trust in Hashem, absolutely, we're talking about how to feel that, to focus on that, to be cognizant about that. Now, just before we go to the next question, I hope someone would ask eventually, I just want to put the question out there with Rabbi Berenfeld has just said, how do you start feeling safety? So I'll share with you two little tips. Number one, close your eyes and just for 30 seconds, just listen to your breath. And if you could just feel like this protective shield around you coming from Hashem. It's almost like this light directly from Hashem coming around you and protecting you. And I've just done this recently with someone that I know had a little of a fear because their spouse wasn't feeling well and their alert and brought up so much more. Is it serious? And just imagine a protection around yourself spreading to your family, spreading to all of Claudius soul, spreading to the world. But you got to close your eyes. You can't have music in the background. You can't have kids running around outside. You got to be able to silence the world and just do that. I've done that today for about 10 minutes before Shachras. This was about 10 minutes, and then I was able to go into chakras. you got to be able to silence the world out there and start going into your inner world. It was a pleasure doing that with Talos and Phil, and it has an extra energy for us, for those of us that can do that. Mordechai, could you talk more about that? Where does it come into Yiddishkeit to take a few minutes off and silence the world? So happens to be, I'm not going to go into which safer, but there's a safer that actually brings down the entire silencing the world that today people call meditation or mindfulness is actually the Nevi'im. In order to be Zaycha to have the Nevi'im, it's brought down the Gemara that Rabbi Yehuda, there's unbelievable sources about it, or Makairis, I should say, in our language that we can say, but silencing and going into yourself and the way the Sfarim bring it down more is the ultimate level. And I don't understand this. This is way for leagues, way beyond. But supposedly in the Kabbalah, like when it says the Ramchal brings it around and Derech Hashem, there's a concept of being Tzirif Oisius and Shemus, whatever Kabbalah is. But somehow they're actually meditating on the Ois Aleph and the Koyach of Aleph and drawing it within themselves, the Ois Beis, and putting them together, whatever that means. This is Yiddishkeit that unfortunately either the Buddhists have and everyone thinks it's them, it's in the Far East religion when this is 101 in Judaism, just we don't have Nevi'im today, but the Svarim that bring it down, there are tons of Gemars, especially that to be, that we have in Perkei Yavis, that Sha'achas, to prepare yourself. That's what it is. You're clearing your head of everything. Imagine an hour before davening, how are you preparing yourself, just yourself? That's, what, what, that's probably scary for most people. That would be a little scary. I think that's what a lot of people are experiencing now when they're spending more time with themselves. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I mean, try davening for an hour. Forget about preparing for davening an hour. But anyhow, let's continue going. Ravasher, you said there's a lot more people. Let's go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I just want to let you know, some people are texting me. They want to know if Mutti's going to do this on a weekly basis. No pressure. I'm just telling you what people are texting. I'm only moderating. I don't know anything else. No pressure. Next week. <laughs> He's a famous guy. I've seen him a lot on online and on LinkedIn and stuff, and a lot of people know him. I think he pronounced it in Kaspnik, I think, but uh, I'm going to unmute him, and uh, he's live on the video. And uh, Rav Moshe, it's all yours. Hey, thank you so much. 
Um, we have I don't know who you are. a very famous person on LinkedIn. I followed and read a couple of his articles and great posts that he put. So it's interesting. Yes. Thank you. Thank you guys for putting this on, first of all. I want to take this in a little bit of a different twist. So for me, obviously, everything that we're talking about is all very important that we need to focus on things, you know, change coming from within so that we can positively impact those around us. Um, now, on the business side, there's basically two types of people doing business right now. Um, a lot of people have, you know, are just from the anxiety and just not knowing what's going on. People are slowing down. Um, for, as someone who does social media marketing, I need to be dealing with uh, other business owners and that are productive and in a positive frame of mind so that when everyone is shutting down, they're ready to go get more business. Um, it's a crazy opportunity for those that are able to do it. But the challenge is, at least before we even focus on getting new clients, it's with the existing clients. You know, obviously we have some clients whose industries were directly impacted by this crisis and there's not much that they can do. Um, you know, I have one client who is in the sports industry, completely done, there's nothing going on. But for the rest of them that could technically do business and there is business being done, um, what can I do in my interactions with them to empower them to get out of their own heads to be, so that they can be as productive as possible so that everyone can continue moving? Beautiful. I would like to share the concept that I read, interesting about Warren Buffett. Again, I just read it pretty recently that at the last crash in like 2008, he was sitting on $45 billion worth to invest. Well, now he was expecting this to happen or not knowing when, he's sitting on $145 billion in cash waiting to invest, which means there are people that look at life's ups and downs. You can look at it as a down, as it's a disaster, or downs are opportunities. Even for those businesses that now you can't do anything, but you can prepare. I've done many different businesses and many things in my business. I need time to prepare. Several things take months of preparation. Now could be a time to prepare. They're expecting in two months everything to go back to regular, four months max, five months. Now's an opportunity to start preparing. Plan it. And, and in the daily interactions, that's on the general macro level and the micro level, on the minute re interactions, what can we do to make sure that that moment they're more present with me? So there's a secret that they have, which is beautiful, is what can I do today? What can I learn today? So let's say if you're in the computer, let's say you need to learn Excel. Start looking at things that you're lacking and start doing it today. There's a place of power in little behaviors today, which means I don't know what I will be doing. I had on the program last night, someone called up and it was sad to get that, that he was laid off from his job. He was fired. Uh, Rabbi Chap, Rabbi, what was the name you said? Chapnik. Chapnik. Um, just, we're hearing like a lot of feedback in the, from, you know, the, great. I'll mute it. I'll mute it when I'm not, when, when, while you're talking. Okay, thank you. So basically, this guy is out, lost his job, and he was telling me, what should my job be right now? He's asking, should I maybe be positive with my kids, or I could volunteer and do things? And what we discussed was, if he volunteers now, very likely one or two of those places will have for him a job once the job opportunity opens. And I go, well, you're working now is Parnassa for them. Go ahead and grab the opportunities. 
There are micro levels, even when your company is out, that you can do from volunteering to speaking to people, to sending a text message to people, to asking, is there anything you need help remotely? There is so much that can be done now. And even look at everyone calling up. We're afraid, we're concerned. Rabbi Osher Parnas calls me up, Rabbi Menachem Berenfeld's ready, and we're doing a program. And we've got a couple hundred people on now. And you're calling up and sharing information. There's always power in the now. People will grab the opportunities. Will you be sitting, I have no money and I'm stuck? Or will you be sitting on a war chest of $145 billion waiting? Because you know every 10 years, roughly, there's going to be some opportunity. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I and actually had an interesting... Marketing. Could you share with everyone? Go ahead. What marketing do you do? Um, I do personal branding, focusing on bringing the people to the forefront in front of their company. So instead of hiding behind the brand that nobody cares about, let's get to know you, what makes you special, so that people can develop a relationship at scale with you. Can someone do this now while business, let's say, would be slow? So the minute business picks itself up, then they will have their goal. They'll know where they're heading. Absolutely. Especially, I mean, in general, anytime you're doing marketing, there's basically two different types, right? There's the short-term advertising that's going to get you an immediate, you know, click to buy now. And then there's the longer term thing. So personal branding and a lot of social media marketing is more long-term anyways. So now is the time. So when you have less competition, because like we just said, people are quitting. So now is the time to do it because you just have less competition. You can make more noise and you can develop relationships quicker and faster today because people are less busy. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for that. Great. Hatzlacha. Rabbi Asher, do we have someone? Um, Rabbi Nachum, did you answer? Did you share anything? Well, it was very good awareness. Um, what I would say is, number one, for those people, they have a lot of anxiety and it's hard for them to get out. And it makes sense. But the, just the awareness that it's not easy when you had a whole business going or if you started a business, a small business, the whole thing goes, doesn't look like um, anything is going to happen now. To be able to get up and continue even to think straight can be hard. Sometimes they get paralyzed. But after a few days, uh, it's like you're saying, Mordechai, it, there is always some opportunity. It might not be exactly the way you want, but there is something that you can do. And you can ask yourself the question, where do I want to see myself in a few weeks when things get better? Thank you. Rabasher. I'm here. Um, somebody texted something and they want me to read it. So I'm going to read it. Okay. Go ahead. I'm going to go slow. Tell me if it's clear. Hashem has done something unprecedented. This virus is a pandemic and the ripple effects are endless and on every level spiritually, emotionally, financially, physically. It just feels like we need to do something unprecedented as a result. Certainly we are begging Hashem for Yeshua, that's unprecedented. But basically, is there anything else? We, I think that I understand the crux of the question is, is that obviously it's an, un, it's an unfathomable situation that's going on. It's something that's, it's an it's a eye opener for everybody because every type of aspect of our life is getting affected. People are dying, relatives are sick, neighbors are sick. Financially, I mean, the economy is literally crippling in front of our eyes. Not, not just America, not just Barapak, not just Lando's grocery store, but really the entire world. 
and um, Hashem is obviously has a large calling from us. So what's the proper mindset and on, on a bigger level that we should have? Rabbi Nachum, would you like to go first? So what I'm hearing is a little bit of guilt in that question. But it really depends who you are. What would, what would that person, if, if you could hear my question, what would you think you can do? And what do you think Hashem wants you to do? And if you can do it, go ahead. But on, on, the, on a personal level, um, everybody personally, I think it, it always goes back to that personal level of each person. Just by staying home, it, basically Hashem is telling you, I don't want what you did till now. I need you to change. And now you have to figure out your connection to yourself, connection to Hashem, your relationship, your relationship to whoever you have relationships to. Just that is pretty big. If you can be there and take care of that, that's exactly what Hashem wants you to do now. And if Pesach is coming up, you've got to do something about Pesach. That's what we have to do now. I'm going to take it a drop to the therapist view. So I know the Rabbanim um, and everyone takes it. I, from me, as a therapist, I find it as follows. One of the most monumental changes and shifts that has ever shifted or that has made shifts throughout the entire world is one person going into his power, seeing what Kayach Hashem has given him, and utilizing that power and then worlds and changes and shifts have happened many times years later. Like I, I'm learning now a lot of the Svarma of the Ramchal and it is amazing how while he was alive or even the Rambam, as great as he was, there was so much controversy, but they went forward, they wrote, they did their truth. And then years later, the whole world and making what a shift to the whole world. So I think the changes, if we want to make an unprecedented change, that is, let's go into ourselves. Let's change ourselves. And everyone knows where we need changing. If it's more in Shmir Sanayim, if it's more in Tzedakah, if your real avoid is being nice to your spouse, you can be nice to everyone else, but to your wife, you have a hard time saying, wow, the soup was delicious. Wow, you took care of the kids. When the whole house is flying and you can't do that, then trust me. Uh-uh, Shalom Bayez, Mizbech cries if there's a divorce. I would tell you, look mostly to change yourself and how you can be nicer to your spouse and to your kids. And for some of us, it might we have to be more assertive with our spouse and kids. Whatever it is, change yourself and you change the world. Just before we go to the next one, there is two very, very, very special people that I respect a lot. I just got the message that they are listening. So to Yehuda and to Simcha Reich, very, very good friends of the family. I am honored that you guys are listening and welcome. I am proud of you guys, always. Rebasher, who's next? Uh, people are typing in questions. Um, I'm gonna a little bit take the question to like a different level. Um, I follow you, it's a little bit of a personal question, but there are, uh, people are writing about Rabbanim and different things and you know, the internet. But uh, my question is like this, I find it a personal issue. It came to Minyanim, and actually, I'm going to uh, chime in Arnaya Fried over here because he was very involved with that. Let me just put him on for a second. Oh. You did Nafshi. That's right. Yes, I'm here. One second. Sorry. But let me, let me, yes, let me, let me start with my question. And this is for Dina and Ur and all these people that are texting. It's, it's a similar question, but it's really something that's been in my mind. I find it 
interesting. I, you know, we're from people and we do everything the Rabbanim say. And um, I find like a mix. And actually, Arnold Echfried was the first one that was very, in our neighborhood, very big advocate of stop to with Minyanim and listen to Rabbanim and it's dangerous. And people, I find that like there's a big mix. Like people are still trying to do this and people are still trying to make a minion on the side and people are still like this. Is the right mahalach to try to push the Yiddish crack and what you're doing? Or is, or is the right mahalach when you live in a shtat and your rabbis say something, you just listen to what they say? They say you don't tie with the things you don't tie with. They say you don't do this, you don't do that. Is it like, is it, it's like, I find it to be like confusing a little bit. Hold on, just before you answer Urba Arnoich, I just want to be clear to everyone that none of us are Abanim here. So we're all the Das mm-hmm. Balabas. So just being, I'm, not, here, I'm, I'm, learned that. Yeah, I'm talking about Abanim. I'm talking about, I'm talking about our point of view. Like I see my neighbors, like some of them, they try to make a meaning. They're trying to do things that where they're telling us not to do. They're trying to, you know, not to do certain things. Is that the right mouth? I'm confused a little bit with that. You know what I mean? So Rabbi Noyach is also a member of the Bikr Chaylam, so he gets to see a lot what's happened in the Bikr Chaylam of Lakewood, where people calling him from all over. So, beautiful. Right. I'll answer this in a nutshell. The situation right now, that it's mamish pekuch nefesh to have these gatherings. Mamish, it's a very serious that you could cause damage to other people. And any Rav will tell you this, what I'm saying. The fact is that we have a Shulchan Aruch. In Shulchan Aruch it says that if there's a 1% chance to save somebody's life on Shabbos, we mechal Shabbos for him. And Kedush Shabbos is most definitely on a much higher level than a minion. And if you're going to partake in a minion, and even let's say there's a 1% chance, and there probably is more than that, that you could cause damage to yourself or to somebody else, it definitely... There's no Indian to have a minion, and it's an avery to have a minion. And that's the Roshiva of Gershon Edelstein said today. And the fact eat on Yom Kippur, who's a chayla, has a mitzvah to eat the same way that somebody has a mitzvah to fast. And the same Edelstein that wanted us to daven with a minion all these years is telling us not to daven with a minion. With that said, I don't think I have to explain this issue any further. Okay. Okay, Mati, maybe we take a little break from questions. Why? <laughs> the moderator gets t- tired at 11, 11 at night, you know? He gets tiring. I need a break. Yeah, you get alive. Your whole family is right around you. I, I can hear them in the background. You're not going to sleep. The truth is, the main reason I did this is because we ran out of things to do in the house. I played every board game, and I did every and we already did hopscotch and Uno. And this is all I have left right now. No. <laughs> oh, good. I am glad that I'm your entertainment. I just want to say something. I just want to say something for 10 seconds because I see people texting in. People saying they stand on the porch, they're 50 feet away, they're 100 feet away, they're 200 feet away. There's no problem. But the problem is, is Marisayan. People see you making it. People go make a minion. All right, Rabasher. Do we have any more callers or questions that people are asking? Mordechai, I can give you a question that somebody sent in before. Yes. And this is um, a teenager at home who um, the parents basically um, expect her to make Pesach. And I guess she is doing a little bit, but she can't do everything. And 
when she takes a break, they look at her as, <clears throat> how could you do this? You know, you have to continue. We have to make Pesa. How should she tell her parents, or it looks like there's a lot going on, um, open communication with her parents that um, there's only a certain limit that she can do, and the rest, I don't know who's going to do it. Yep. I think that's very, very brave, having an open dialogue with your parents. Now, we're just going to take the other side from the teenager. Do you know what us parents find very interesting? That we do everything. And when we ask a teenager to do like pick up five things from the floor or like just help me peel, you want me to cook the whole soup? You want me to make the whole supper? No, we're just asking you to do 10%. 5%. We didn't ask you to do it for breakfast or for lunch. And then you get this whole off and puff. It's so hard. So first of all, let's realize that parents on our job, it is important how we present it to our kids. So if we tell the kids, I'd like you to realize I'm doing everything in this room. I'm asking you to do just these toys. I'm asking you to do just this shelf and be aware that I'm going to do the other six shelves. It keeps things in perspective because teenagers are still at the same time they're kids. Saying, I don't like to do anything. Mommy and Tati did everything for me. So therefore, the way we present them to do tasks is a way that they could hear in their mind and in their ears, they could actually hear that, oh, mommy's got the job. I had someone send me a message recently and said, kid said, you want me to be the cleaning lady? You want me to clean up? And the mother goes, hold on a second. You mean you want me to be the cleaning lady? And he goes, oh, Right, there are tasks that have to get done because of the quarantine. They're not having their cleaning lady. Now someone has got to clean the house. Someone's got to help. So yes, the older children will help more. Some of the boys are almost like having yeshiva teaching the younger kids, the Manishtana and the Haggadah, even though the schools are doing it, but extras reviewing it. And yes, a lot of the kids will be helping cleaning. That means taking out the garbage that will be cleaning up and doing some things for Pesach. Absolutely. Is there a possibility that they expect her to do everything? There is also a possibility of the other spectrum. So I was taking one side where first all teenagers be aware that many times your parents are not asking you to do everything. They're asking you just to help out. The other side is that it is possible that your parents are asking you to do more than you can handle. They think you can and they're not aware. Remember us parents, we're not mind readers. We're so used to doing a hundred tasks that we forget that you're a teenager and you can only do 10. But if you don't express it, we won't know it. Yes. Menachem, I would like to hear your point of view on the question. Well, first of all, basic open communication. Um, again, we don't know which way, which spectrum it is, like Mordecai is saying. But if it is that the this that she feels the daughter feels it's too much and her parents are sitting around doing nothing, well she can <clears throat> tell them nicely, and if that doesn't work, she might need to get some help from professional how to talk to her parents. Yes, excellent. Okay, Mordechai, I have a lot of people that want to ask questions. I don't know what the questions are, but they text me. They want to ask live questions. Should Go we ahead. Start? We'll let it, let it go, let it rip. Let's go. Are we going now? This was the late show. Are we going now to the late, late, late show? <laughs> this is Lakewood Hours, Oshie, where, where the day is just starting. 
Now we just finished Night Seder, the second Night Seder. Now we're getting everyone else listening in. Okay, let me put him on. Hold on, I don't know his name, but we're gonna put him on. Yeah, you're on. Hello, Mr. Hello? Yes. Let's go. Kira Bushy, what's doing? It's good, How are you? Who's this? Hashem, good. It's Chaim. I'm just holding my baby. It's your neighbor, Chaim. Oh, how are you, Reb Chaim? Baruch Hashem, great. Okay, here's the question. There's a bunch of questions, but a simple question. There have been Bliyayinara many stories recently where people contract, got the disease, the virus, and they had worked on their Amun and Bitochen, and it disappeared. There's many verified stories, Baruch Hashem, after a day, people with immune systems that were, whatever you want to call it, not the best immune systems, etc., is that something that Ramordechai feels is the best way to go about it? That many people do feel. I want to know from his perspective. It mm. seems like this has been the best anecdote and ant antidote and all those words that has been working for this whole situation. And I want to know how he feels about that. So I'll tell you, since you asked me Amun and Shiloh, I also saw that clip where Reb Gershon Edelson said that you should not be davening with Minion because it's a sakana. And he said, if you're davening with a minion, he called it a chet. He says it twice, it's an avera. I didn't hear him say, have a moon and betachen and go to minion. Oh, I wasn't mixing the two. I wasn't oh. mixing the two. The only thing about me, the comment about minion was to be melamed schus because I know specifically there were big rabbanim who hold to daven with a minion. I wasn't saying I myself went. I have not been going recently. But I know from friends and I know from a chashiverov and there are more than one chashiverov who holds, I have close people to me that, you know, there are Chashiv Rabbanim that hold, yes, it's a Machlikis. And even by Bikach Nefesh, a Machlikis. Let me try, let me, good. So let's get out of the controversy over the minion or not. I did, my point is that the Rabbanim are saying, of course, Amun and Betachem, but we have to do our Heshtadlis. So you want to know if me as a therapist believes in Amun and Betachem, I want to tell you the Goyesha world has now a major problem that they have to deal with it, which means even the 12th step which is huge. The first step is we have to submit that we're powerless and we need a power higher than us. And they use the word, you know, Hashem, G-O-D. And then now they have to, however you understand them. So the world more and more is recognizing that there is a higher power and they have to contend with it. So there's no Shiloh, Muna, Matachan, and us Yidin that are Maminim, Bnei Maminim. We've got stories of Avram Yitzchak. We have throughout history, Hanani Moshova Zayu with the Muna, Matachan jumped into a fire. And they made it. The question is, what does Hashem want of us? And if we will pull through with our Amunah, Amunah definitely helps. Again, I'm talking now as a Balabas, as a therapist. I ask my clients to please daven. When there are very hard cases, I ask the family, when usually family members come to me, I tell them, I need a favor from you. I need you to say Tehillim every day for us to be Matzliach. So there is no doubt in my field, Amunah and Betachen and Tefillah is essential. It's a vital component to the therapy process. Oh. Okay, there was, there was just someone the other night, the Matzah Shabbos, he couldn't smell by Avdala, and he, he worked on his Amun and Bitochen, and all of a sudden he was able to smell the Bissamim, and then after that he couldn't smell anymore. So, just like that, came and it went. But one more point that someone brought up, that in the hospital, they're not allowing, Rahman al-Islam, they're not allowing any family members, even one family member, there's a strong feeling that if there was just one family member there with the patients, when they woke up on that machine, when they got conscious or whatever the situation is, they would have a bigger, stronger drive to live. So the fact that hospitals are not letting even one family member in full garb to be there with the family member, 
that is, if anything, causing, let's put it by the, what they say, the other people, but causing people to not survive. The fact that there's no one. There are huge studies showing the importance, I guess we could just take this in general for parents to know, the importance of physical touch and saying the words, I love you, and feeling the safety, which is called the attachment theory. It is one of the most foundational um, concepts in theory that for people to grow to be successful adults, we need to have the connection from our parents. Now, it, as the kid gets older, the parents need to know how to be less connected or less direct, but the kid should still feel the safety that we're there. And that is why when parents are nifter in their 90s and 100s and the kid is crying, and the parent could have had dementia or Alzheimer's where they weren't Bardas the last 10 years. But that feeling that that parent is there is a safety that is extremely powerful. And yes, there are many studies showing, just, just give a simple one, the 1960s, they've done how people talking to plants, saying, you're so good, I'll give you water, and talking to it, giving plants, just giving it attention and love, they would grow better. This is that was from the first studies where they realized the importance of giving love and attention. So absolutely, there is no doubt that that might have an effect. On the other hand, they are worried for the family members that will be there, what it will do to them. So it's not optimal, but the medical system has had to set a boundary because they're trying to protect us. And maybe someone that is younger that has a healthier immune system. But if you're with that family member too many hours there, it might affect the healthier people. So they've done that. So it's always those tough decisions that people in leadership have to make that usually they get blamed for them when many times it might be the right decision. It's a hard decision, but it might be the right decision. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Mati, we're doing one more. Where, where are we holding tonight? Go ahead, Rabashi. I'm going to give a shout over here to this boy, Avrami Gestatner. He does no. have cookies and it looks delicious. I'm just letting him know. I'm going to hold it. Come on live. Let's go. I'm going to put on now, um, I'm putting on somebody, Yehuda Altoski, who's standing next to somebody who has an interesting question and he's going to ask the question for him. So let me get him. Well done. Yehuda, how are you? You were here from the beginning. I was watching you. Wow. Okay, thank you so much. Martin Lermager, I'm Nathan Berenfeld. Question is as follows. The guy sitting next to me, he's a little uh, shy, he's a camera shy, okay. and he wants to know the following. His parents are divorced, and his father has a heart, heart condition, and the, the doctor told him that he shouldn't go home for the Seder. He's a single guy, so... He spoke to Rabban and whatever he said, he should go to his mother's house and he has to lead a state of, you know, him and his siblings, he has to lead a state because he's the oldest kid in the family and he's not sure what to do. It's his first time ever doing this and he's very nervous to lead a state for the first time to the Christ. He wants to know any, any tips like what he should do. He's a young guy, he never had, he never did this before in his life, he's not married. So any ideas from Rabbi Barenfeld, Rabbi Warmberger, Usher Parnas, of how to lead a Seder for the very first time. I charge, five, I charge $500 an hour, so I'm not going to do this, but uh, Eva Bernfeld and Mordechai Weinberger. I'm much cheaper, so uh, we can handle it. Who should go, let, let Mary Bernfeld go first? Yes, absolutely. You got the question? Yes. Let it, let it go. Assuming that, he, that he's seeing himself 
making a seder already, what I would say is find a few minutes uh, where in a, in a quiet place, sit down and write down all your fears, everything you're worried about. You're gonna make a seder now, you're not sure how you do this, you're not sure how to do that, what's gonna happen if this and that, what's that guy gonna say? Just write down everything that comes to your mind, everything that you're worried. That's step number one. The next, the next step is gonna be, you're gonna do some role play. You're gonna pretend that you're sitting by the Seder and you're starting. There's actually a very good um, uh, book out there that tells you exactly what to do. I think it's called the Haggadah and you follow it. Where do you find yeah. those books? Yeah, you follow it, tells you Kadesh, and you, it's even even that translation, whichever one you want, what does Kadesh mean? You go on to Orchatz, yeah. you keep on going, and you do what it says. Do some role play, and see how it goes. Uh, personally, that's something that I did the first time I made a Seder, and I did role play and I had the picture in my mind where everybody's cups of wine spilled. And I had the reaction. The reaction could be either, oh, this, this, is, this is not working out, I'm stopping right now, or it's okay, next. So just becoming aware of the fears that you have and then by doing role play, doing it a few times, by the time you get to the Seder, you'll be used to it and you'll enjoy it. I believe so. And you can let me know afterwards how it went. Wow. Thanks for that answer. Yeah, yeah. I, I would first of all think everything that Rabbi Nachum said was brilliant. Now, could I ask you, because I think since he said everything I would say, what would, could you ask your friend, what are his biggest concerns that he's worried that he won't know how to do? Many times we have like certain details that we're worried about. So now he's changing it. He's saying it's not really a fear. He's not scared, but he wants to know how to prepare, like how we should go about it. Like, and then what should he focus on by the Seder? Should he let his siblings like see the Devatairas? Should he lead it by himself? Should he just be, be the boss? Okay, let's go by it now. Like all these questions, like, like want, how should he lead it? I want to just jump in and say of everybody in the meeting, I want everybody to know not only this, this boy, this Bacher, a lot of people this year are leading a Seder, and people are texting this on the side, and I happen to agree with it. A lot of people are leading a Seder this year for the very first time. All my people, all the young married couples, people live in basements, people that have one or two kids, everybody's home this year. So everybody is in a similar state. Obviously, he's a bacher, so it's a little bit more complex, but I just want to bring it out there. A lot of people are home this year. That are, I mean, all my neighbors are running around trying to get pots and pans for the first time. For Mordecai, sorry for jumping in. No, that's exactly it. And by the way, your question is something that I struggle with every year. Am I going to do more dvatars? My kids are getting older, but I still got younger kids that are getting old that are getting older. Will this say they'll go till four in the morning? Will it go till one? Will it end at twelve? You know, based on the years. And sometimes you really run a seder as it happens, which means one year it could go one way, one year it could go another way. So I would try something different. I would wonder if he could actually ask everyone, since he hasn't done that, ask his mother first, what does she expect? And ask the older kids, like, 
how do they want it to go? Because the Seder was done last year and the year before. So he might use that. One thing I will make a recommendation what not to do. Sometimes the older child, oldest child feels responsible like to be the father. And many times they will discipline kids more than parents would. Means I know me as a parent, my kid does something big deal. But the older kids would go, it's wrong, Tati. You have to be the Mechanach. And I go, you turned out excellent. At this age, it's okay. So many times, if he has a pressure, it's got to be done right, then it's not. I'll, I'll share with you a story that in our family, it's like from the happiest memories, and I think it was done wrong. Because many of us are trying to drink four cases of strong, dry wine, and then you have the Suda. By the time it comes to the fourth case, so imagine this, I'm at a Seder, and it's coming to the Afikaymen, and the person leading the Seder is serious eating the Afikaymen, and there's the famous stories of the Chassidish Rebbe that you could see, like the Shemalt coming down from the carbon Pesach when he's eating the Matzah, and you see the father leading the serious Seder, and looks like everyone was a little tipsy, because guys that never drink had four cups of wine. The bursting out giggling that happened at that moment couldn't stop. And instead of the father getting upset, the father just smiled along and finished the, the matzah. Till today, we talk about that. You know how funny it was at that time? Now, the father could have blown it and gotten upset, or it's in the family like a happy moment and a funny moment. What I'm trying to tell him is, don't plan it out. Let it flow. Sometimes it will flow well, some years it will be great, and there are huge amounts of stories that I love. One of the things I like about the Chesidah Shemaisa, they have that, where I'll just share with you another cute one. I remember which Rebbe, but one of them is, he said that the first night of Pesach, his wife was exhausted, cleaning, and they were stressed. They just made a quick say there, and he fell asleep in the middle. The second night, he already slept in the afternoon, and he made a long say, and he gets to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe says, ah, the first night, Hashem loved your Seder. The second night, it was beautiful. He goes, why? He says, the first night was Kulul Hashem. You knew you were exhausted. You knew you were, and you kept calm. And he said, we're just going to do everything, and we'll think of Hashem. So let's just realize, Aleph Bays in Judaism, we don't know what Hashem likes more. The fact that you're going to lead the Seder, the fact that you might even ask them, do they want a quick Seder? Ask your mother to lead. What does she want? and drop expectations. If all of a sudden the younger kids are gone from the Seder, they're not even asking the Manishtana, it's okay. They'll say Manishtana all day, the day of Pesach, the next day, all day Chalamoyed. If they don't say it at the Manishtana, just let go. Don't worry about their Chinuch. When they're going to be 50, I promise you they will know the Manishtana and they're going to say it in the Agoda. I'm even giving them 20 years of marriage to get it right. Oh, Bobby, so it's, interesting, it's interesting to hear you and Bernfeld's thing because it's a little bit opposites and they're both very interesting. You understand? You're saying like be free spirit and let it go. Menachem was like planning it out. It just, it's too. Well, well, no, well, let me clarify. I could only say mine after Menachem says his because you still have to be prepared. I've never come to a speech. I have right now over here a paper that I prepared to say. I didn't say any of it, but you still got to come prepared. I just want to let you know, I'm sorry for getting up again. A lot of people are texting um, that they, they're really enjoying this. They feel it's a very, it's a very free feeling. It's a very interactive and they're asking questions. I'm, I'm interacting with everybody. By the way, we, we've, since this whole Corona thing started, we've been doing this with Rabbi Bernfeld every night. And this is the same code that we use. 
And people are asking when Mordechai is going to come on, and people are just very into it. Just letting you know, people are very, they feel very engaged. Um, I don't know. I have more questions, guys. People want to keep on going, Mordechai. I'm okay. We can do it, brother. We're going to go now back to a little bit financial. I'm going to bring on somebody. I'm not going to mention his name, but he's going to talk. And um, he's going to ask you how to deal with the situation. Is your family still around? Are they still watching all this? My family is going to stay up all night for this. So let's get a hello from everyone. Hey, how about you, you yeah. introduce everyone? Give us, let's get everyone's names over there. We got my wife, Adina. We have Bill <laughs> Kalman. We have Sarah Bela. We have my 15-year-old, 16-year-old. Today was a birthday. Yesterday was a birthday. Just ran away. Kana Rivka. Happy birthday to <laughs> And I think Chaya Pearl, my daughter, is watching, and uh, all the other kids, Baruch Hashem, are sleeping. We gave them a lot of Benadryl tonight. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to put on uh, the next question, and um, it looks interesting. Go ahead. You are live. Hello, hello? Hello. Okay. So I'm going to ask the question for him instead. Okay. I don't know why he's not coming up. Um, hold on one second. Where's the question? He says like this. Oh, I don't know what happened to this question. Ramanachem, what do you say to doing this program? How are you enjoying it? Oh, here it is. It's Meyerdick. Very, very uh, a lot of awareness. That I, know, I know you like to do. I have to be honest with you, you had a tremendous amount of people on the thing and very few people going in and out. People are really staying and enjoying it. I mean, I'm, you know, people are really enjoying it. You I know from I know Center is loving it. And um, <laughs> I'm going to read the question, okay? I don't want my name out there. My question is, how do you deal with being laid off in, in a time and knowing, actually know a few of my friends, so I'm, it's not just for him, it's actually a few of my friends. My question is to them, how do you deal with being laid off at the time and knowing there's a tough time to be hired now? How do I shift my mind to be proactive and make the best decisions, same as me and in, in know that there are many people in the same situation? Basically, the guy got fired. Forget about what your industry is now. Nobody's getting a job now, right? It's not possible to get a job now. And um, no, that's not true. He's, he's going into Pesach, right? You have thousands of dollars going out. You know you have no income. You know you can't even get a job till a week after Pesach if Corona disappeared tomorrow. So how does he take his mindset and shift it in a positive way to enjoy his Pesach and not be depressed and miserable for Pesach? Menachem, I'll let you deal with the hard one. <laughs> so that, that's, the, that's the number one awareness. It, he's going through a tough time and there's nothing that we can say. Uh, he first has to become aware of his emotions, his reaction, how he is um, taking it, and also to know what his fears are. The fears, the thoughts that are coming into his head, because when he has a job, it could be he's working to run away from those fears, but now they come up because he doesn't have a job. But you can't stay with that for too long, and you do have to have some uh, ideas. What I would say is he has to build himself because wherever he worked, he was, he was the asset over there. He's able, he was able to build himself so that when somebody does have an opening, he should be ready to be hired. He can see what he's good at. He can, he take he can take some trainings online or get into certain things. But there are certain things that you could do 
again, you have to have the right state of mind. And it, it actually helps, even if you think you're not in the right state of mind to look out for some training or anything now. But if you do a few minutes a day, you might be surprised. And it might even take you to a different, um, a different uh, type of job that you never thought you're good at. But again, you have to look at yourself, build yourself, and now you have some time, even though there's a lot of fear and a lot of these negative thoughts coming in, to be able to build yourself so that when things open up, you'll be ready. And again, Tefillah and Hashem runs the world. He was the one who gave it to you till now. And Amit Hashem will give it to you, Amit Hashem Vaita. But now he's testing you a little bit. This is a real test for everybody. For me and the whole college, so we're all going through real tests now. I would like to share with you a story that I heard. And it's, I heard it's a joke, but I actually heard that it's based on a true story. There's a from Yid that survived the concentration camp and he comes to America. And this person is not alive today, but he has, his family owns a lot of real estate that they are And when he's coming off the boat in Ellis Island and he is driving, let's say he's going to wherever he was staying at in Crown Heights, that's where a lot of the Yidin migrated to. He asked this Hevron Yiddish, says, where's their motel as a hot the motel and here motels all over he says who's this guy motel that owns all this real estate it's a mentality this guy was looking how do i get real estate and all he saw all over is who is motel now i don't have the answer for the short term but what we help people in therapy is if your mind is, I can't get a job, there are no opportunities, then unfortunately, as the saying goes, if you believe you can, and if you believe you can't, you are right. So it happens to be two days ago, I was shopping, making an order in one of the big grocery stores here in Lakewood. And I saw the person I go for my haircuts to, the barber is over there and he's like putting together orders. And he tells me, he says, do you want a haircut? I go, what are you doing here? He said, I got to cover my rent. All barbershops are shut. So I'm working over and I'm putting together orders. This guy was able to think and say, I need to pay bills. I'm a young guy. It's a job that might be below my dignity. It's a job that maybe Bachram are doing and I'm a married guy and I already have my own store. But that's, this guy's being pragmatic. He is thinking, what can I do? What little stuffs can I do today? And people that think in terms, what can I do now? With Siata Deshmaya, success breeds success. I came out with my third book. It's called Momentum. It's all about this concept. Take the small steps and you will get there. Don't look at why you can't. I carry on me a keychain. I'll just show it for those of you looking. I'll share with you a cute little story. And there's a little keychain. It has, for those that can see a little closer, it's a picture of an eagle and it says, Dare to Soar. About 15 more, 17 years ago, I went to a therapist. Believe it or not, for years, I was afraid of therapists. And I told him, I want to become a therapist. I have a whole mahaluch. I want to be public. I want to do things. And this guy tells me, forget it. You'll never make it. The therapists that make it are 20 years in the field. There is no room for you. If you want to be a therapist, you could do it. Get a job in an agency and just, it's not going to happen. So for about two weeks, I am down and I'm disappointed. And I just felt like my energy is always to do more. And 
I met a friend of mine. He'll say, I don't get it, Mordechai. You're not even, you're not licensed yet. And you're doing life coaching and you're so busy and you're doing alternative therapy and you're doing that. And I was doing other programs on the side and different writings. And you put together a group of 50 people. Who does, why are you listening to his limitation? And sure enough, I went to a store. I was just walking my house and I saw this keychain, dare to soar, just dare to think big. And I still have it, and I still keep that. This is probably 15 years now. This keychain is on me to remind me that every time I think I'm limited, and it will never happen, it can happen, Hashem has given us all wings. Hashem has given us malachim all around us with huge wings. They'll carry us, but you got to believe it. And the entire book of momentum that I have, the secret to success is about that. And I, I usually try not to talk much about Sfarim, but I will just say the Gemara that the, the Marsha, that this entire book is built on. So just to remind us all the aside, the Gemara Masech Tesmakis, Dap Yod Amad Beis, says very simple, The way a person wants to go, he's going to go. And the Gemara brings a right from the Tyre, from Bilam, wherever you want to go, you'll go. So Freik, the Marsha, what does it mean? The way a man wants to go, they take him. And he says, it's very simple. With every thought, machshava, dibar, and word, and maisa, action that we do, we create malachim, and these malachim will push you in that direction. Bein latoiv, bein lara. He says something even scarier. Even if Hashem doesn't want it, Hashem gives us bechira, and that's why the Pasuk brings a riot from Bilam, where Bilam asks Hashem, could I go with Balak and his emissaries and Chasashon, Chris Kaisal? Hashem says, no. And the next night, he asks again, Hashem says, yes. Araya from the Torah, that again, Hashem will do what Hashem wants. He couldn't curse, but he wanted to go. Those malachim, he says, hen, hen, oisim malachim, the marshal, look it up, push him in that direction. So what I would tell you, that you're out of a job, it's true that you're out of a job. It's true that you're stuck. Please do not get stuck. Please get your keychain, whatever is needed to tell you. There is a parnasa, there's a shefa, there are many muttles out there. You can be one of those owners of those muttles, but you got to think big. You got to think you can have it. Don't get stuck in the limiting beliefs. All right, that's my little uh, drasha, my Shabbos Adol drasha. Okay, I have a question from a lady. Um, um, she's going to go on. She's going to ask the question. She's asking for all the ladies out there. No, I don't help as much as I should. I can tell you that. Hi, Hi, thanks for hosting. Yes. Um, our question is, like, we have our kids home. <laughs> we're cooking, we're cleaning, some are working. How do we stay, like, really calm? Yes, I think every woman deserves a standing ovation from their husbands for exactly what you're saying. So I happen to have someone that I was working on recently, which they suffer from anxiety, and the husband was suffering from her anxiety. And I asked the husband, what are you willing to pitch in to help? And he said, anything. I just need her calm. I said, well, are you willing to take care of the kids for an hour a day so she can be either in the room or you take them out? And that's what they do. They tried one night of him watching the kids and her in the room. But you know how it is. Somehow when us men watch the kids, the kids are knocking on the door. Mommy, where's this? And where's that? She couldn't get a break. So this father drives all the kids in the van. And just drive around for whatever it is. Sometimes it's in the morning. Sometimes it's in the afternoon. Sometimes it's in the evening. She gets an hour a day. And that hour a day has taken anxiety from a 10 down to a 2. Just very simple. Sleeping at night, 
eating. I also told her to get off her diet right now. Not Hashem, I don't want her on a diet, but there are people that could do a diet and ease and people that's a huge stress. Now is not a time to start doing. Now the goal is take off the stress. So we changed the words from diet to healthy eating. She was going to nutritionist. She discussed it with a nutritionist and she was not going now to lose weight, just to maintain her weight. But it's healthy and she feels so much more empowered. So she's eating enough. But us men are going to have to pitch in and what it's going to take on the women's part is to be more expressive. So for all of you men that are listening and your wife is nervous, instead of making all those jokes together on our chats about the wives, it's what can I do to help you? What do you need of me to help you be calmer? And that's the focus. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. So if you're, is your husband listening? Because then, boy, will I have a lot to tell him. Is your husband listening right now? <laughs> He's actually listening, but I think that just an hour won't really get us much. Oh, he'll be surprised. The compounded interest of an hour. Just work is an hour for me. Let's say me personally, it's one hour. I'm saying yeah. four hours, but. Good. Husband, <laughs> one hour. It's yours. Figure it out. And then you will see how your wife will be very different. One condition on your part, you're not allowed to cook or clean during that hour. No housework. It's not time that the kids are out of your space, so now you're going to do that. It's time to read. It's time to talk to your friends. You may not look at all the death and dying messages of people going around. It's interesting, on my chat, several of them were going around like, sorry, this message is old news. You know, it was a, it was a tragedy from years ago. The first time I got, when Corona just started, like two and a half weeks ago, I saw this thing of like people pushing into this, into the shopping center, like thousands of people. And then they go, sorry, this was five years ago in another country. So people are also replaying Tehillims for people that have passed or that have gotten healthy, old stories. I'm not minimizing it. What I am saying is we need to give ourselves a break. So what would you do one hour if your husband's got the kids? You know what, I, I'm a man. Let's have Rahman in a minute, half hour. What can you do for what a half hour husband? And wise, what will you do if you have a half hour a day, your time? What do you think would happen? What do you think would happen to you if you got a half hour day of break? I think I would take a rest. <laughs> okay, next caller, Bernfeld. Ready for the next? Okay. And you take it for Bernfeld. I'm gonna, I'm gonna push this one for Bernfeld. For newlyweds, um, question is like this, and and we'll finish after this one. Okay, this is gonna be the last one. Um, it's a similar question to the Buffer's question, but it's coming from a newlywed, and I know this is common. I'm hearing this from a lot of people. The question goes as follows: How can we deal with the loneliness of young to spent alone without family? I'm personally a newlywed. I'm making Pesach for just me and my husband ourselves in our basement. It's going to be so lonely. How to have Simchas Yantav? Wow, that's a hard one. Well, that's, yeah, it's hard. Sorry. But again, you have these big families with the kids who are struggling before Yantav, how to make Yantav, because of all the kids around. And then you have the newlyweds who can make Yantav no problem. And... They don't have the kids running around, but what are they going to do for eight days? A yontif, which usually yontif is with family, 
and uh, it, it takes a little bit off, you know, you can go, you have uh, siblings, but over here, you're going to be in your own place the whole time. It is very hard. So like you're saying, you have to come up with some ideas, be creative um, to see how you're going to, how you can play it out. Now on a, on a, a different level, I don't know if the problem of having it together as a couple, or maybe one of them is scared more than the other. So that's also something which I would recommend he should, he or she should be aware of the things that he's scared. What, what, which part of the loneliness will you be scared of? And then you can you know, come up easier with uh, solutions. If it's uh, just uh, very simple, not having what to do, well, it could be a book would help for a few hours. Well, sometimes there are deeper fears over there, and um, just being aware of that does help, even though not always do we have a solution, but to be, just become aware of the fears. Mordechai, what would you say? There's a nice quote. I don't remember exactly how it goes, but it sort of goes like this, that if you have yourself, you're never alone, and if you don't have yourself, you're always alone. And that means when you're at your family where there's so much going on, then you're just avoiding the issue that you're not comfortable with yourself. I mean, to me, I was looking forward to a vacation till Corona hit and it was just going to be me and my wife and I can't wait for that. So, and I'm waiting to have time for myself. I try to make a couple of minutes for myself. So I think an opportunity is for you to shift gears, meaning young couples are used to their in a house where there's a lot going on. And now they're with their spouse and it's a whole different level. It's a whole different world. And it takes time to adjust. You're going to have the same situation again once the kids are married. You're going to see that, yes, you might have them for Shabbosim, but it's going to be you and your spouse. And this is great practice, getting to appreciate your spouse before the kids come along, before it's the crying nights, before it's going to be the homework and the extra time of working. And then you don't have time to speak to your spouse. And then you have five or 10 minute break. And then you've got kids knocking whatever's going on. you like, when can you speak? So at each stage, there is a challenge and you got to overcome that challenge. And your growth now is, how can I enjoy time myself and time with my spouse, and that's all that I need. All that you need is yourself and your spouse. That is what it's based on. From there, everything goes, and remember, kids are meant to get married and we're meant to let go. Not that we don't care about them, but we need them now to connect to their spouse. We need them to connect time to themselves. And complication comes when kids do not disconnect from their parent. They still think my husband is now going to change their name to my parents' maiden, to my maiden name and be part of the household when your husband wants to build his house. And the same the other way around. Sometimes when you've got husbands, when they're carrying his parents, and no, 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 you're a couple with your wife. You're now building your entity, your family. So yes, it, I would change the words from scary to a new lesson and welcome to life. There are always new lessons. And are we going to learn it and say, hey, I'll get tips? Or are we going to feel like, hey, I'm all alone? Ushi, what would you say to new changes that happen? Um, I can tell you from all my years of my personal experiences that new changes is what helps everybody grow. And obviously, uh, Hashem wants the whole world to grow together. Um, 
this has been a tremendous learning curve for everybody I know, just being home with your families and dealing with new situations that we've never dealt with. And um, it's an opportunity for growth. Yeah. That's my opinion. Again, I'm going to reiterate this again for everybody. Um, I'm getting constant texts all the time. People are, they feel so uplifted tonight. They feel uh, a breath of fresh air. They feel um, happy. They feel good. And they just were happy just to schmooze and to talk. And they felt Mordechai and Rabbi Bernfeld. You guys gave a tremendous chizik to the Olam. And uh, should continue to be Mechazek Yisrael and keep on growing Maybe again. we'll do this again. Maybe we could see Sunday night. If the Olam would like, well, I'll do this again, Mertz Shem, Sunday Woo! night. Guys, keep on texting, like I said. Keep on sending Mordechai messages. Fill up his, fill up his messages. All right. All right. Rabbi Bernfeld, Thank you very much, Usher Mordechai. It was really uh, great to be here. And uh, Usher, you let the Olam know if it's happening again. Uh, so far, and hold on, again, I want to close off thanking the Lakewood Scoop. I want to finish off thanking Matzah for hosting this. I want to thank again Rabbi Berenfeld, Rabbi Usher. I want to thank Rabbi Renoyach for arranging everything. Ushi, who's the person you said put together the flyer as well, the graphics? Uh, Pinky Friedman, who works for Madison Title, put together the flyer for us. It was a very tremendous help. And Rabbi Berenfeld for doing this um, evening. You do this every night. Share with everyone when you... Um, yeah, just, I just want to tell everybody on this chat now, we do this every night with this Zoom code since the last week and a half and Robert Berenfeld leads the session. So anybody who wants to call any night at 10.15, you're more than welcome to call every night and be part of it. We started off as a neighborhood thing and we had 20 people and it grew and it kept on growing. So everybody's more than welcome to come. It's a very open uh, dialogue. Uh, Rabbi Menachem starts off usually with a little speech, a little uh, slideshow usually, trying to get us you know, focused and you know where we're holding. And then we... It leads into a lot of conversations. I usually have to end it. <laughs> Excellent. Um, just share with everyone. Says, where do we call? Eh, that's it. We got everything. Excellent. Hatzlach, everyone. Good, Good night, everybody. Thank you. Thank Hatzlach. you.